Welcome to the Business of Value Innovation, MedDevice Consulting's regular podcast talking about all things innovation in ophthalmology and the medical device field. Uh, today with me is a returning guest. I think he's the first returning guest we've had on the podcast, Eric Volabrek, who's a attorney with Axon, which is a life sciences boutique law firm that's based in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And today, uh, Eric and I are going to revisit a topic and, and kind of hash through what's happening with MDR right now. And uh, there's a lot going on, isn't there, Eric? And yes, welcome. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me as, as your first returning uh, visitor. That's uh, really nice. Big honor. And yeah, I think uh, to say that something is happening with the MDR would be a bit of a bit of, bit of a euphemism. Because a lot is happening with the MDR, even though the amendment that they are proposing is quite small. It's basically it's very targeted amendment, you could say, but it's really provoked a lot of uh, hubbub uh, in the market, uh, so to speak. So, what what is? Can you outline for for those who've not been paying close attention or a little bit of attention? Can you outline exactly what this legislative le legislation does to MDR? Sure. Yeah. Uh, basically, what it does, it is yet another iteration of uh, tinkering with the transitional regime of the MDR, basically. So uh, for the people that remember, 2012, the MDR was proposed. Then it took five years of uh, drama and negotiation to trickle through the uh, European legislative procedure entered into force 26 May 2017, entered into force. Mind you, theoretically already, then you could have medical devices that were MDR certified. Problem was that at the time, they could already see that there might be a problem with notified bodies uh, and certificates because uh, most, most of the medical devices in the market are uh, certified by a notified body. These certificates have an expiry date. And because notified bodies are semi-public or commercial organizations tasked with some degree of public authority, namely certification and the MDR, these bodies also had to get their uh, accreditation renewed under the MDR in order to get the privilege of granting MDR certificates, everybody could see that it would be a problem to get all the existing active implantable medical devices directive certificates and medical devices directive certificates to get those converted to MDR certificates in the three years period that they had envisaged for this at the time, because at the time there was a transitional period from 2017 to 2020, during which uh, these certificates could be converted, right? So that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's what happened. Also, they, they came up with the, the, the grace periods, uh, which was uh, uh, an invention in Article 120, Section 3, which was basically kind of a hypothetical emergency uh, uh, vent mechanism in case that uh, notified bodies wouldn't make it. It would also be possible that a uh, renewed certificate, so a certificate that was renewed during the transitional period, 
could have application after the end of the transitional period, which at the time was 26 May 2020, provided that you would already implement parts of the uh, MDR quality system, like past market surveillance and so on, and there wouldn't be any significant changes. So the grace period, basically. Okay, the whole thing gets underway, and quite some time before uh, the end of the transitional period, two things happen. First of all, there's a development in the market that uh, notified bodies start to see, oh, geez, uh, we don't have sufficient capacity to convert all these certificates. Before the date of application, at the time, 26 May 2020. So what are we going to do? We are going to massively reissue certificates under the old directives, which was still possible at the time, with an expiration date against the latest possible date in the grace period, 26 May 2024. So what did that create? A ginormous pileup of certificates that would all expire towards the end of the uh, grace period. So basically, you would have a, 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 well, if you imagine it as a garden house, you have a garden house that becomes fuller and fuller and fuller towards the end with a huge bulge. But still, in the end, the house itself is not any bigger. So the throughput is also not bigger. So anybody that has basic physics in his repertoire can see, okay, this is not going to go well. So develop, that was development one. Development two was that uh, also, uh, also manufacturers had difficulties getting their applications in the door with notified bodies. And the problem was that basically you needed to get those applications in the door, uh, uh, preferably uh, uh, as soon as possible. So uh, what they did was they also decided, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to move the date of application of the MDR, which was 26 May, 2020. In 2020, they did this super fast middle amendment and then they moved it to a year later, which meant that the grace period would start later which in the end also was basically a totally, uh, well, as we would say in Dutch, a cigar out of your own box of cigars, because it did nothing to improve the situation of the manufacturers, but it was a completely cosmetic solution. And the whole medical devices capacity problem was not fixed. So basically the bulge that I was talking about is still there. Yeah. Now enter the proposal because over the years, we've seen after uh, 2021 that the situation didn't improve. There was still this huge bulge. And then they were like, oh, geez, what are we going to do about this bulge? Okay, we are going to come up with a proposal to flatten this bulge, right? So basically, we are going to, uh, uh, what we are going to do is we can't make the hose diameter any bigger because I mean there just aren't more notified bodies so what we are going to do is we are going to give the bulge so the available notified bodies certificates that still need to be converted we are going to give the bulge more time to empty in the rest of the hose basically so the hose doesn't burst 
That's what they are doing with the proposal now. Or if you would put it more graphically, we have this Python trying to eat an ox and we are going to give the Python more time to eat the ox. And so digest. Yeah. And digest, exactly. This is what the proposal is about. So this was this was a long time in the making. Uh, uh, in the EBSCO Council in June 2022, the, uh, the council gave the commission mandate to come up with a legislative solution for this problem. Everybody expected this to happen on uh, 6 December uh, 2022. Didn't happen. There were some outlines that the commission presented then. And then there was a, uh, a proposal. Sorry, no, it was 9 December, EBSCO meeting. 6 January, the commission uh, proposed its proposal. This is a proposal we are uh, going to discuss now. And what does the proposal do? The proposal basically says, well, legacy device certificates that are either at still valid at this point, but expiring before 2024, 26 May 2024, which are basically all legacy device certificates because they couldn't have a later date, or legacy devices that have already expired after the date of application. So that is after 26 May 2021 during conformity assessment, for example, because your notified body couldn't be fast enough and then the MDD or the AIMDD certificate expired before the conformity assessment procedure was finished. Or the manufacturer has been bailed out by the authorities by means of an Article 59 or an Article 97 derogation or exemption. In those cases, certificates either going to be automatically extended when it expires, or it's going to relive when it has already expired, when the proposal enters into force, which could actually be as early as around mid-March. Oh. So then these extended or relived certificates, they have a duration uh, of validity until 31 December, 2027 for class three devices and class two B implantables, and until 31 December uh, 2028 for um, for all the other normal devices. And then there's also a specific regime for custom-made devices because class three custom-made devices under the MDR also need a quality system. I think it wasn't two class three in lendable custom made devices. Anyway. Yeah. And this so, is this is the sell-off, what they call the sell-off period in, in the legislation, right? Uh no, 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 no. Sell-off oh, okay. period is different. The sell-off period is uh is a period that used to also be there. I mean, good that you mentioned it because I forgot that. What they had initially set up is the grace period would end 26 May. 2024, very last date of validity of an MDD certificate or an AIMDD certificate. But geez, what shall we do with all these devices that may still be placed on the market one day before the certificate expires? Well, they said, okay, so you have a year to sell them off through your supply chain. So they have a year to reach the end user. Then it also became apparent that, yeah, 
usually it takes devices longer than a year to go through the supply chain. And you can't, again, push things through a garden hose quicker than it goes, right? Mm. So, uh, so then they decided, and that's another thing they're doing in this proposal, they decided, okay, we are going to completely remove the sell-off period. So that means that any device that you can get on the market after the proposal has entered into force, can, under a valid certificate, can be sold off forever. So if your device is a non-sterilized brick, for example, you can keep those in stock for a very long time. You can sell them off forever. You could still theoretically sell off a non-sterilized brick that is a medical device, let's say for anesthesia or something. You could still sell it in 2050, 2060, 2018. Whenever Buck Rogers wakes up, you could still sell him, sell, that. sell this brick to him. Yes. Wow. That's a gift. Yes. Um, well, it's also, yeah, gift, gift. But it's also maybe very confusing. Because what if in 2018, you are still, somebody is still selling bricks from 2024? I mean, mm -hmm. that, would be, that would be weird. I mean, yes. it would be nice if they would sell them as an artifact. But uh, so that's, that's that problem. And also, that's another thing that is relevant for the IUD people. I know that that's not the audience, uh, primary audience of this podcast, but also for the IUD regulation, they are amending it with this proposal to take away the sell-off period for IVDs as well. Yeah, yeah, that, but that's the only change to the IVDR. That's the only change, yeah. yeah so because there's already happens, been some change in IVDR last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah so now okay. we've, we've, we've discussed the, let's say the first, the first gating element of the proposal. How do you have a valid certificate that is valid until 2027 and 2027 or end 2028. So it means that you need a valid certificate by that time. Or, oh, that's one condition that I actually, or, no, that's also what I meant, uh, mentioned is that if your certificate uh, uh, expired pending, uh, pending a conformity assessment with another body. Okay. So then that is the first hoop that you need to get through if you want to be in the scope of the proposal. The second one, just like under the NDR, uh, the old NDR, we had Article 120, Section 2, that said these certificates are el eligible for the grace period. It also had an Article 120, Section 3 that said, but only on these conditions, oh. right? No significant change and observing uh, continued compliance under the directives and, and observance of certain uh, quality system elements of the MDR, like post-market surveillance, economic operator, registration, device registration, and vigilance. So that's basically um, the key points there. So, but then these are the old key points because what does the proposal do? It adds several other key points because uh, as they say in the Odyssey, be very afraid of uh, Greeks whenever, especially when they come there in presents, gifts. <laughs> gifts. And in this case, of course, same with the commission because the commission says, oh yeah, and by the way, 
one more thing. Also, manufacturer, even if your certificate has cleared the first gate, you will not have a persistently valid certificate if you do not continuously keep meeting not only the old conditions of Article 120, Section 3, but also the new ones that we are putting in a proposal. And here's the kicker, which is before 26 May 2024, so before the original end of the original grace period, you need to have a fully NDR compliant quality system in place. So not partially like you used to under Article 120, Section 3. No, you need a full NDR quality system in place. And before 26 May 2024, you need to have lodged an application with a notified body for NDR conformity assessment for the device to which it relates. So basically, no change for the manufacturer. Like I said at the beginning, the notified body then gets, as of 26 May 2024, in the case of the 2028 option, gets four and a half years to finish the conformity assessment. Very comfortable. Manufacturer needs to be fully NDR compliant and having handed in his uh, conformity assessment application, 26 May 2024. 15 months, less even, I think, from now. So this is basically why the absolute stupidest things you can do as a manufacturer, really inexcusably stupid, is to focus on the 27 and 28 dates and think, oh, I have time until that day. No. If you have a quality management or a quality manager or an RA manager or management in your company that says we have time until 2028 or 2027. You have to throw them out of the window because they will they're useless to the company. I mean, it's it's this is really, I mean, it would be such a big mistake because the only thing you can do when this proposal enters into force, and it will, is go full pool on getting your NDR application in the door before 26 May next year, which is sooner than you think. Correct. But how many companies have told you that MDR is fully on hold in the past two weeks? Uh, well, there, there, there were some. And uh -huh. uh, I've yeah, basically told them that this was kind of misguided. And also, yeah, what kind of weird confirmation bias they had that they could even read the proposal that way. But apparently, not many people actually read the proposal or they're like, oh, I heard about 2028. That must be a delay. So thinking of this proposal as putting the NDR on hold, as you say, or providing a delay for manufacturers or anything else that looks like a generic bailout for companies that, that should be ready for the NDR by now, that is a bad idea to think this way because it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's completely wrong. The only thing the proposal does is give notified bodies more time. It doesn't give manufacturers more time. It gives notified bodies more time. Basically, 
like in the example we used, it gives the python more time to devour and digest the ox. Doesn't give the ox more time. And at this point in time, how many notified bodies do we have for that are MDR certified? Yeah, basically all of the ones that matter for capacity of the system. So are there are sufficient notified bodies? Because I think one of the biggest things that that we hear is that there are not enough notified bodies. I can't get my notif you know, I can't get a notified body. The notified body doesn't answer my phone call. Yeah. Yada yada yada. Yeah, but I think the, this is this is kind of a bit of a difficult statement because uh, it's the same as if you go to the if you go to the grocery store and you need to wait in line before you can pay, you can say, "Oh, there's not enough grocery stores uh. to feed the population." No, terrible. Or you can also think like, "Okay, uh, maybe if I had shown up earlier on a less busy date." Uh, if I use the uh, checkout line for seven items or less, any of these things, it might be that actually I'd be out here very quickly, right? Uh, that's always an option. And the people that are complaining about there not being enough notified bodies are usually in this kind of situation. Now, of course, if you look at it numerically, Yes, when uh, uh, at some point we had over 80 notified bodies uh, for the uh, for the MDD, but that uh, that doesn't say anything. It would be saying like, yes, in this city there used to be 80 supermarkets, and you would count all the uh, all the supermarkets from the huge big hypermarkets to the smallest corner grocery stores numerically. But of course, what you want is that if you need groceries for the population, if the biggest hypermarkets are already in the business, then you have most of the capacity online. And this is the situation we are in with the notified bodies. All the big ones that really have capacity are already in business under the MDR. The problem is that we have a system of approval, CE marking, where approval is outsourced to the market on market conditions, which means that the market, that the certification capacity in the market at any given moment will always operate at Pareto efficiency, which means there is no more supply than there is demand, right? Mm -hmm. So this is how it works with notified bodies as well, because they are commercial uh, commercial companies. So they are not going to hire more people than they need at any given moment. And if you have a system like that, it's very bad at scaling quickly. And this is what we saw. So that is what you get. So you cannot say there is not enough notified bodies. The only thing you can say is notified bodies are not scaling total capacity quickly enough to solve this whole bulge in the pipeline, which is normal because this is not how commercially run systems work because they will not just not scale more than they would. That just like if you go Christmas shopping for, for, for a turkey, it's not like, yes, they will buy some more turkeys, but it's not like immediately, there are so many turkeys that everybody gets a turkey, even if they show up on the last day. It's not how it works, scarcity. And this is what we're experiencing with notified bodies. So it's basically, it's, you could say, 
either a feature, whether it's when it's normal circumstances or a flow, when you need much more certificates processed than usual in a much shorter time than usual. And this yeah. is what we're looking at. So, I mean, the system has exactly as many notified bodies as it needs, The system, but we are asking the system something to do, which it would never need to do under normal circumstances. Right. So we, we, we have enough notified bodies. We just don't have enough temporary capacity. This is the European problem at the moment. So for that, they decided, okay, what we are going to do now, because the, 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 the uh, European authorities' previous solution was, well, we have a three-year transitional period, then we have a, uh, then we have a, another uh, grace period, and hopefully by then the notified bodies will have ironed all of this out. Not. So that was, uh, that, that didn't happen. So now they are thinking like, okay, so what we are going to do then is we are just going to give the notified bodies yet a lot more time. So we will be dealing with legacy devices for a lot longer time. And of course, as manufacturers, you can be totally optimistic, go like, yay, there was much rejoicing because the NDA was delayed. But the problem is that you are still uh, confined by the situation that on the one hand, you have a notified body that suddenly has three and a half years or four and a half years to process your application. So, and during these four and a half or three and a half years, no significant changes, which is very shitty because if your notified body is slow and you can't make significant changes to your device, and that is a situation where I think like, oh, we might not be too happy about that because that could be bad for innovation on the European market. Or at least it would ensure that innovations that can be placed on the market elsewhere do not make it to the European market because you're not allowed to make a significant change to the device. But you could go in with a fresh application. Yes, but then a fresh application, of course, the problem is that notified bodies, just like lawyers, they sell time to you. Yes. And since they don't have parallel universes at their disposition, like I don't have either, they have to balance between legacy device, converting legacy device certificates into NDR certificates and also new applications. And I think with the new applications, we are going to see that, yes, the fact that we are asking the system to basically flatten this bulge of uh, uh, legacy device certificates that also takes away capacity of the system to yeah, do business as usual, being the Novo applications for MDR certificates. And there you especially see that small and medium-sized enterprises that are going to go to a notified body for the first time to have some kind of nice innovative device CE certified. Yeah, these are often put on the back burner by notified bodies. Because, yeah, it's not a very profitable thing to do for a notified body. So they'll say, okay, see you in two years. Maybe we'll have time then. And this is very sad because this is where you see more and more small and medium-sized enterprises think like, okay, well, if this is a situation in Europe, I'll just go to the US first. or I'll go to Brazil of all places first or, or to China or or. How about Japan? Japan used to be the total laggard of regulatory approval, 
but there's even people picking Japan over Europe at the moment because even Japan uh, has uh, gotten their act together now and is actually faster than Europe in, in many cases at the moment. Yeah, I, I noticed that the other day when I was looking at that for a client that yeah, Japan yeah. is definitely different from 15, 10, 15 years ago when it was good well, luck. Same. Same as with the FDA, yeah. I mean, yeah. there were times that the FDA was making these uh, these these uh, guinea pig statements uh, because they were just jealous about how quickly the Europeans uh, could get pro products to the market. But that regulatory pendulum has completely flipped to the other side because the FDA now has really got an attack together as a nice breakthrough devices program. Uh, yeah, basically the FDA is is everything that you would want it to be uh, at the moment. So uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's doing a lot better than uh, than let's say fifteen years ago. Yeah, especially when it comes to like class two A's, yeah, yeah equivalency, and that's where I think one of the one of the toughest parts about the FDR is equivalency going away. And if it's not your own product, and that then forces well, it's me. harder because you it's harder. Uh, it's it's harder to to substantiate equivalency because it's because you need to, because there's more required in terms of access to the underlying data, especially yeah. for higher risk products. Yeah, yeah. You, going through the 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 history of it, yeah, you know, May twenty seventeen. And whenever a manufacturer comes to me and complains about MDR, I just look at them and say that date. Because in, in, a, in a lot of situations where a regulatory authority enacts a law, people understand the date to compliance and getting there. Um, obviously, some things with MDR did not happen. You know, the, the, the notified bodies were not where they needed to be at the time to start mm -hmm. making that transition. But why are why are manufacturers so stubborn in a way and, and so willing to believe that now MDR is delayed again for four more years instead of just, you know, getting on with it and doing the things that need to be done to make the transition? Yeah, that's a good question. I've often wondered about that myself because, uh, yeah, as I've often said to CEOs, why don't you have this under control, right? It's it's only core business. So maybe you should really <laughs> understand it's core business for one of the, the biggest markets in the world. So might be very good that you understand this regulation. And I don't know. I mean, they understand tax regulation when it applies to their company. They understand labor legislation. They understand all kinds of legislation. And this is like they're totally out there and you think like, Man, I don't know. Confirmation bias, uh, wishful thinking. There's all kinds of DSM five uh, conditions that you could stick stick on this. But it's uh, what I usually see. It, it is a complete disconnect between management and uh, regulatory affairs. Often, because usually what I see is that regulatory affairs sort of gets what this is about. They are already under-resourced and they need a lot of markets to look at. And then they tell management like, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're basically, we need twice the budget that we would normally need for Europe for the next five years. And then management is like, yeah, how about no? <laughs> right? 
Yeah, no, I think Under I think it's what very, circumstances I think it's very true. could you possibly justify a double doubling of your budget? As, have, as you all been, have you all been eating mushrooms in the regulatory department? What is your major malfunction? Yeah. But especially right. Yeah, but but also you think about the fact that in so many on so many products, manufacturers were not beholden to do clinical studies to get on the market in Europe mm-hmm. under MDD. Oh. And so they yeah. were they were able to come into Europe at a much lower cost. And so even if it is less expensive than doing a, a full PMA in the US, there's still six sticker shock. And that's the reaction of the executives, like you say. Yeah, and I think also there's the misunderstanding that suddenly you need clinical uh, studies for everything under no. the MDR, yeah. which, is, which is also not true. I mean, they've made it more explicit for certain categories of devices. But in the end, the, the mechanism is still the same. Uh, yep. And there are lots of carve-outs. And, and, but what you see is, I think the problem is that people mix up the requirements. On the one hand, they are like, the clinical trials regime, the clinical data regime changed. And also, we need to file for a new CE mark. Oh, that must mean that the Europeans suddenly want clinical trials for everything. No. This is not syllogistically how this works. Nope. But apparently people don't get philosophy in school anymore. They can't even run simple syllogism and they can't just say, oh, this is logically what happens because they in their resource, their RA department. And when the RA department says, hey, we need a lot of extra homework for Europe. Can we have more budget? They say, no, do this on your own spare time, maybe on a Sunday afternoon. That's that's what I see a lot of companies do. And these companies, they have a lot of difficulty getting through this process. Yep. Yeah. And, and the thing that I tell companies frequently is you, okay, you do need some clinical data. You don't need a lot of clinical data. You don't need to do a 300 patient study by any means. Um, you know, and, and, and that I think is one of the more interesting things about MDR is it puts it in the hands of the manufacturer to justify yeah. the clinical evidence just like it did under the under the mdb basically no change there yeah the problem the, the problem is that you need to justify it again and the problem is often that uh, and that is i think where again the the arguments can sometimes be a bit uh, a bit misguided you have companies that have a device that is a bit like the brick that i mentioned hasn't changed over 20 years so at one point they got a CE mark and never added, never did any postmark clinical follow-up, never looked at any real-world data for the device because hey, there was a break anyway. So why should we uh, look at data? And then they enter enter the MDR that says, hey, can you do a new CE mark application to the state of the art? And then these companies suddenly find out, holy shit, they find out there is actually a huge delta in clinical data that I need because the clinical state of art changed. Yes, mm-hmm. we are. And but then they blame it on the MDR. They say, oh, they need additional data. No, if they would have just done what was completely possible and responsible under the MDD, and that is just look at your how your product performs in the real world, track that as a matter of PMS. These companies, actually the companies that did that, invested in it, 
rather than enforcers for the management, they came to the conclusion, oh, we have all the data we need because we can demonstrate performance and safety to the state of art, which is the burden of proof under the MDR. Yep. Fantastic. Not so, hard. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not that hard, but it's, it's well, it's, I think there's this John Wayne uh, quote that says, uh, life is hard, but it's harder when you're stupid. I don't know if that's an actual John Wayne quote, but I saw it on the <laughs> internet somewhere in a meme. And this is really what it's like. And of course, if you're being caught and being stupid, who do you blame? Everybody but yourself, right? I mean, that's how Precisely. life works. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And it, all the way around. All the way. Yeah. And, and yeah, and that's yeah, obviously for a for a company like MedDevice, it 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 it's beneficial, the confusion over MDR, because we can help companies. Um, you know, but, but the thing that we tell them every time is you don't need them. You know, it's all about understanding what the state of the art is yes. and how that and how your data fits into that context and all that. Once you've done it a few times, it's an interesting process. And it's it. it but the other co consistent mistake we see is companies thinking that they can take their MDD documents, change the legislation in or in the text and then call it an MDR file. And none of the notified bodies are having that right now. And oh, they'll just get chewed up and spit out. Exactly, yeah. And then especially if you have notified bodies that work on a three strikes you're out basis or three strikes and you're at the bottom of the pile basis, mm -hmm. it's a really bad idea to approach them with uh, substandard documentation. But again, this is also all, all part of understanding what does the legislation require of you. As soon as you look at the MDR, you see, hey, there's this, this fixed annex in there with a blueprint for what the technical documentation should look like. Hey, there is an annex in there with lots of new essential requirements that have a different name, and there are more than there used to be. Hey, there is a specific annex for technical documentation for post-market surveillance. Maybe I need to do a bit more than just mention a new name of legislation. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of, again, confirmation bias that, yeah, you can't protect people against themselves if they are going to have that level of, uh, of confirmation bias. Right. So for those, for those who are in confirmation bias land, sitting on the sidelines saying it's on hold, all those, those folks out there, What's what's the best advice? What should those manufacturers be doing now who think that they've that they've got more time than they really do? Uh, yeah, accelerate or go into another business. I mean, if you can't be bothered to understand how the law works, then then maybe make something less regulated. But uh, I mean, the yeah. I mean, if you think that you've time until 2028, yeah, it's you're going to be very disappointed and you're going to have to lay off a lot of people. It's uh, because they will find out that this is not how it works. So what they should do is, is basically, uh, yeah, uh, if you want keep to going. go from one place to the other, keep going, right? It's like Alice said, uh, Start your journey, go on until the end, and only then stop. I mean, see it through. 
Right. To the more popular, popular clouds, like what would Brian Boitena do? Make a plan and he follow through. Yeah, that's South Park 101. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not, yeah. It's it's not rocket science. I was going to say that. Rocket science is more difficult. Much more difficult. And even um, Elon Musk can, can get a rocket science company going. So uh, it doesn't doesn't show that you need like exceptionally sympathetic and intelligent management either. You just need management that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Or, and is willing to support the regulatory team to, in getting that done. Exactly. To resource yeah. the, the proper functions for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's like if you want to, if you want to, let's say I'm Elon Musk and I want to get my starship to Mars then I'm not going to over-resource the, the department that decorates the office, for example, or, or that, that, that makes parking spaces in front of the building. That's, that's not how you get rockets to Mars. Okay. Um, okay, so we're going to diverge, kind of take a left turn here for a second um, as we wind up. Um, you published something this week on LinkedIn, if I remember correctly, that talks about the European Medicines Agency now moving into medical device territory by taking over the regulation of complex medical devices. Um, well, yes and no, basically. So, so what was this about? Uh, there always was, since 2017, this option in the MDR to have to get scientific advice for high-risk medical devices, where you could go to an expert panel that would then uh, give you non-binding advice about the clinical uh, clinical evaluation strategy for your device. So that's basically, and expert panels were something we already knew also as well under the MDR, because these are the ones that do the clinical evaluation consultation procedure, right? Also known as the scrutiny procedure. So what we are seeing is that uh, these expert panels who was going to run these expert panels? Commission was like, eh, we don't have resources for this. Uh, member states were like, yeah, we don't want these expert panels. So then the European Medicines Agency says, oh, well, we are mentioned several times in the MDR and the IVR anyway. So we have a natural uh, affinity with this. And for also we are the, uh, the EMA. So we are actually one stage above God in a natural order of things. <laughs> so uh, give us your expert panels. We will administrate this uh, because this is actually what we are very good at as an agency. We administrate stuff. So first they gave the expert panels for the clinical evaluation uh, consultation procedure to the, uh, to the EMA. And now they've also decided to, uh, to put, the, uh, put the panels for the, uh, for, the, for the scientific advice procedure. And the EMA has now launched a pilot uh, that gives uh, precedence to orphan devices and uh, niche devices for this uh, procedure. That should have been available from 2017 already. So here we go. But what you do see is that, of course, the EMA is quite eager to get these kinds of procedures because EMA also has a role under the, uh, under the IVDR. And this is definitely, I think, something where you can see the EMA yeah, make more and more inroads into medical devices. And yeah, so then, of course, 
that begs the million dollar question, where is this going? Are we slowly moving towards a European uh, medicine and devices agency, for example? And yeah, I mean, this is an option. People that uh, have been around for some time in medical devices like me, um, when you look at the old impact assessment that was done for the NDR back in 2012, in which they investigated the policy options for the new medical devices regulation, they explicitly investigated, even back then, the option of having an FDA type uh, agency for medical devices, whether integrated with the EMA or not. And at the time, there were actually quite a lot of stakeholders in favor, uh, especially healthcare institutions, some member states, uh, payers were very much in favor of this, but industry was really against. And um, <clears throat> So that was one reason why the commission at the, at the time decided, okay, from the impact assessment, it follows that basically we had best leave the basic logic of the, uh, of the medical device signal marking system as it is. And now what you see is because the NDR uh, uh, is slowly becoming a bit of a mess or a cluster shit, mm -hmm. this question becomes again on the table. Right? Wouldn't it mm -hmm. be a uh, wouldn't it be an option to uh, yeah to put this at the EMA? Wouldn't they do a better job than these notified bodies? Nobody knows. And um, so, <clears throat> I mean, personally, what I can see happening is because we already have the clinical evaluation consultation procedure and the scientific advice procedure now at the EMA, which all concerns higher risk devices. What I could envisage at some point is that the EMA will say, well, why don't we just take these high-risk devices off of the notified body's hands altogether, uh -huh. right? Let's have a special EMA pathway for this. That's what I could expect the next step to be. And in the end, yeah, you'll, you'll have notified bodies perhaps still involved in the system uh, for simple 2Bs, simple class 2As, things like that. Because mind you, I mean, the capacity that an organization as the EMA would, meet, would need to add in order to administrate the whole medical devices system, that's really something else than medicines. Eh? Because if you compare medicines, the number of medicines marketing authorizations on the market compared to the number of notified body certificates, that's a big difference. So actually, so the 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 uh, basically the regulatory uh, let's say the, the regulatory uh, load that needs to be lifted for medical devices is much more diverse than for medicines. Then, yeah, than for medicines. Yeah, it is pretty. There's four channels, and yeah, you know which one you need to go to, and and that's about it. Plus the yeah. the new newer technology ones. And you have your medical, magic eight medical ball devices today? are way, way, way more diverse. So yeah. that, that would be a very, a very difficult thing for a government agency to do, I think. So do you have your magic eight ball today? So what's the prediction on, on do we get a European medicines and medical device ah, agency 10 years down the road? 10 years mm -hmm. down the road, do we have a EMAMD agency? 10 years down the road. No, Abel says no. 
Okay. But, well, uh, let's see. I'm not so sure. It has to be wrong. Yeah, what I'm. What I, I do if I don't like the answer of my magic eight ball, I say eight ball. Are you sure? Okay. Oh, now it says yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> but I think it's an interesting question, and I think manufacturers, you know, may have may now think twice about that decision. Eleven years I, ago. What I, what I can say, if I may, before we finish, because yeah. actually, what is happening at the moment is there is a provision in the MDR that says. The Commission needs to do a uh, needs to check by 2027 if the MDR is really performing as intended. Also, uh, the MDR, the, the Commission at this point has issued various tenders for reviewing effectiveness of the medical devices regulatory system, which are starting this year. So we don't know what this going to be the outcome of this process, right? I mean, it might very well be that uh, they that the, they are going to attribute more tasks uh, to the EMA. It's it's totally possible. Watch Even the space. Even if my eight ball says no. Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate the time that you've taken to have a have a chat and talk through this, Eric. Um, mm -hmm. And I hope our listeners find it valuable to understand that it's a break for the notified bodies and not the manufacturers and to uh, get busy. And uh, let's uh, stay tuned and, and see how how the next 12 months unravel. Yeah, yeah, and of course, watch the official journal uh, in the uh, second half of March, because that's when the uh, proposal is, uh, is uh, likely going to enter into force. Great, thank you for joining Business by Innovation today, Eric Oliver.